Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking time to listen to this episode today. And we got a fire interview for you right now. Fire! All the claps. You hear the claps, you see the claps. Shout out to YouTube viewers and the podcast listeners. Joseph Jackson hops onto the mic. Joseph Jackson is a phenomenal human being, uh, Willamette graduate, basketball player, baller, educator, and in the healthcare field. Father, husband, doing some phenomenal things up here in the Portland area, and interventionist at in the healthcare institution up here in Portland. And it's just doing some great work. Uh, he got the chance to come on the podcast just to share his story of his journey from college, of being a basketball athlete, navigating that life, navigating his faith, navigating what it looks like to be a college athlete on the campus of Willamette. Shout out to Bearcats. All the way up to his journey of teaching overseas and his experience there to now working in the healthcare field. And also, which... On this episode, he talks about his new, his uh, soon-to-be newborn baby, which is now now entered into this world. So, congratulations to the to the Jackson family. But uh, this is a fun interview. This is a fun podcast, fun episode, just to hear a little bit about Joseph's story and some of the lessons that he's learned along the way, and what does it mean to be a light into this world, into the space. So, be sure to check out Joseph Jackson on all social media platforms. I'll be sure to drop that into the show notes so you can take a look at that. But I had a fun time listening. To his story on this podcast and i know you will too so be sure you check out this episode titled being the light featuring joseph jackson let me know what y'all think hey joseph man welcome to the podcast good morning to you how are you today man i'm doing really good appreciate you having me on this morning and i'm excited to have you on as well uh for the listeners the otm listeners joseph jackson is somebody i met at willamette uh Go Bearcats. He actually, um, during his first year, was the first year that we started a mosaic mentoring group. And uh, Joseph was my mentee, actually. Uh, that's how I got to know him. And uh, a former basketball player, baller in that right. So we'll get to hear about his story and what he's doing today. And uh, yeah, I just think he's a phenomenal, a phenomenal character. That would be awesome to have in the next generation to hear. So Joseph, I didn't prepare you for this question strategically <laughs> but, uh, the question I love, I love to ask every guest uh, is what is your life mission or mantra that you live by oh man that was good okay right that was, that was good yeah we, we started off we started off hot let's go <laughs> all right um mantra or mission um wow uh I don't know if I necessarily have like you know a mantra you could put like on a uh, on a bumper sticker, mm-hmm. uh, but something my dad has always told me is that like you're just you're always being watched. Like you you never know who sees you or who's watching you. And he was always talking about you know basketball, just like how you carry yourself on the court. You know when you get mad or upset at a call or something like that. But I think that's always just kind of like stuck with me because then also to you know on the positive side of it, you have people come up to you and say hey, when this, this, this happened, like that really, you know, put a smile on my face or that really inspired me. And then you sit there and think about it, you're like, 
I didn't even know that they noticed that, you know? So um, obviously the negative side is like someone could see something and like kind of turn away, but then you also don't know how many people around you that you're inspiring. Um, and so that's kind of like what I hold myself to and to make sure that, you know, when I'm going throughout things, people are watching whether I know it or not. And my goal is to, is to be a light, you know, to those around me, um, especially during this time, um, and even more so probably in the last year and a half, two years with COVID and um, all the other, you know, uh, social justice things that are happening that are really just pulling on people. Um, now more than ever, I think, you know, people need to see a light. And so if I can be any kind of light <laughs> to those around me, um, I'm definitely going to try to do that. I love it. I love it. That's a good word, man. Good word. Shout out to Pops. That's a good word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about how, so like I mentioned, we met at Willamette and, and we're both athletes. Uh, you did the bat, you basketball and I did football. Um, you know, I, I'm super intrigued by just your, uh, your experience at Willamette and more so just playing college basketball. You know, not many folks get the opportunity to say they play collegiate sports. Uh, so would love to hear just what was that experience like for you? Um, one, how did you hear about Willamette? Because that's also been a fun, I've been asking people, like, how do you hear about their schools, especially those who went to D3 or, or D2? Right. But how did you hear about Willamette? What was your kind of basketball and uh, athletic experience there? Yeah, um, Willamette, I believe I heard about it. I had passed by it, like, many times just from growing up in, in Oregon and going down to Salem, like, I feel like there's only one of two things down in Salem, that's the capital, and that's Willamette, um, and they're right across the street from each other, so it's just kind of clumped in right there, um, and so I always, like, you know, saw that and whatnot, and then during high school, I think, you know, some of the local um, colleges go to different tournaments and things like that, so then I believe at the time it was um, Mike Plank, um, he was, you know, saw me at a tournament, and then I met Kip um, and things like that, so yeah, I, I remember my, I think it was like junior year, I kind of came to terms with between junior, senior year that I may not play college basketball just because I wasn't getting a lot of um, uh, recruitment and things like that. I did a little bit sophomore year and then it kind of just died down and that was that. Um, and I was like, you know, that's fine because I also knew even if I did play college ball, like that definitely was going to be the last chapter. It wasn't like I was going to the league or anything. Um, and so I was like, okay, I came to terms with that. And then, you know, Willamette popped up. We went down for a visit, uh, met with like Craig Hammond and some of the campus ministry um, folks and stuff like that. Um, and that's what I was like, okay, yeah, I know this is, this is where we felt we were being led. Um, and so, yeah, so we went to Willamette there. And I think my college experiences, as far as athletic goes, was interesting in the sense of, you know, when you always think about going to play in college, you know, you're going to be, and not that I, I wasn't, but I think everyone has this vision of, you know, I'm going to score this amount of points or like, it's just going to be a good experience. And, you know, we're going to be successful and, and all this stuff. But the first two years were, were rough, like on and off the court, I'd say off, on the court, just because we didn't win a ton of games um, off the court. I know freshman year, just trying to like find my groove and, figure things out. And then also being homeschooled my entire life. This is the first time I'm like at a public school, even though obviously we land a private school. So now I'm around 2000 people um, every day. And then, you know, just trying to figure out that. And then sophomore year, I remember 
the fir- the second half of the season, I was academically ineligible. So now, and it wasn't anything due to like, I was out just like partying or not doing what I was supposed to do, but it was more of a time management thing. And then also using the resources on campus um, and utilizing them in an effective way, I think um, an intentional way as well too. That's kind of what um, would uh, hinder me there. So yeah, those first couple of years, like I said, were, were kind of rough, but throughout that whole four years, and I think I learned this and understood this a little bit better obviously afterwards, because hindsight's 2020, is that I was there for more than just basketball. And at the time I knew that I'm like, I'm not here just play basketball. I'm here to get an education and go on and do great things, you know, but I think looking back, you also see the opportunities that you probably wouldn't have gotten if it hadn't been for going to Willamette and doing this. Basketball just was a tool to kind of get you there, so to speak. So, Man, that's a seeing sports as a vehicle to get to where you need to go. Um, like that in hindsight, that makes sense. But in the moment you're like, yo, no, nah, this is it. I'm the, I'm the athlete. <laughs> I ain't going to, you know, everything else, whatever. I'm focused on my sport, but that's fascinating that you're, because very similar story in like the first couple of years were very rough. Um, and, and, and it's great that you grew up in this, in Oregon essentially. So you kind of knew what was going on. Uh, but even the academic side of things, because that's one of the things that we they've talked about in high school, but you know, you don't really know until you experience it. Right. Uh, Where there is a little bit more emphasis to actually go to class or structure your week. So that way you get your accomplishment, your assignments done well, right. Not just complete it turned in, but actually, you know, put some effort into it because there's some you know, you're, you're applying yourself from a rigorous perspective, academically, intellectually to these things. Um, so just writing an essay 30 minutes before class ain't going to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've done, I may have done that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So being ineligible, because I have a very similar story, being ineligible and not being able to play the sport that you want to, you know, that following uh, uh, year or what have you uh, can be hard. Like that, that's very, that's taxing um, on your identity, on just how you, in your emotions, your everything. Kind of what helped, like what or who helped you navigate that? Like, how did you process that season where you academically wasn't going well, athletically wasn't going well, you're feeling all out out of sorts? Like, what was that kind of emotion or process that you're going through and who helped you navigate that? Um, yeah, I think, uh, the, the, I remember I found out that I was going to be academically eligible for the next semester, right at the end of the first semester. I think first semester ended, we were down in Cali for like a holiday tournament. And then, you know, Kip gets the email rundown of, you know, grades and all that stuff. So I found out when I was out of town and I knew my dad was picking me up from the airport I'm like, man, this is it. I'm like, I'm done. Like, so he picked me up from the airport. We're shooting down the highway. And I'm trying to figure out how to tell him, you know, that I, I won't be playing the next uh, semester. And I forget. I was like, Dad, like, I got to tell you something. Like, I don't want you to be mad, you know. And so I, I told him. And he had the, like, complete opposite reaction than I thought he was going to have. I thought, you know, he was just going to be, like, pissed, you know, just be like, mm-hmm what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you're going over here, you're messing around over here, trying to hang out with all these people instead of getting, you know, but he literally just looked at me and goes, all right. He goes, so what do you need help with? 
like how how can we make sure that this doesn't happen again or what what is it that you need support in and i was like um well and we kind of broke it down you know it's like you know i tried doing this i tried going to office hours but this and so we found like more effective ways like i said to use the resource and stuff so i think just the fact that like my parents knew but also weren't like on my back or like disappointed in me i didn't care if they were mad but when they say i'm disappointed in you you know the parents oh, that hits different you know so um i think that kind of allowed me to go forward and be okay with the mistake that i made but going forward knowing that i'm going to correct that mistake and and be able to kind of free freely learn from it if that makes sense um so i think that was a huge uh motivator in a way and then when I got back to campus for second semester, um, uh, Jade Aguilar was my counselor at the time. And so she, love her, super down to earth. Um, and so she kind of helped me just as far as navigating classes and scheduling classes. And then the person too that I sat in the office the most was um, uh, Professor Veltman in Spanish because the Spanish was the one that the class that was really giving me a hard time so she always had her office hours open to me. And we sat there for like an hour, hour and a half, just going through stuff like mock quizzes or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think those three people there are really the ones that um, kind of helped me through that time and helped me structure my time. And then I ended up getting a, a 3.5 that, that semester. So there you yeah, go. it felt really good. Yeah. That's good, man. Yes, there's always somebody or a group of people who walk alongside us, right? That, that help us tell us that we're not alone. And I think that's something that we, I for sure want to reiterate everywhere, right? It's like, hey, these trials, these, these tribulations, these actions that we're part of, that we may feel like we're in, in, the, in the hole, essentially. Um, there, yes, you could build yourself out of it, but how greater or how quicker would you be able to get out of that if you had connect, if you reached out or people poured in, you know, to help support you in that way. And it's awesome that even though it sounds scary, because I get it telling your parents that you're messing up, ain't that ain't right, right? That ain't fun. But it's awesome that they were there and said, okay, like let's let's create a plan. Let's create a game plan to get out of it, to work through it and um and see success on the other side. Because um, like you're right, like yes, yeah, sports is a great avenue but it's just a tool as a vehicle to get to where you want to go where you need to go um you uh a couple more questions kind of about this college period and i want to then we'll transition towards out of that but i know faith is a formative um you know faith is really formative in your life like through, through your family and then through school and or through your own uh journey as well mm-hmm. how was that was that shaped was that rocked was that uh tried in many ways during college. Um, what was that like for you kind of navigating your faith journey in college? Yeah. Um, yeah. Having grown up like in the church since I was little, my dad being a pastor and whatnot, and then being homeschooled, like I was always surrounded by, you know, family and, and faith. Um, and so I think going to Willamette, even though it was only an hour away, was enough distance and enough um, time away to be able to kind of form my own walk with Christ. And we always say this of like, you know, it's a relationship with Christ, right? So your relationship with Christ may be different than someone else's relationship with Christ. Same with, you know, my relationship with a certain individual 
may be different than someone else's relationship with that certain individual. You know, like they may go and do these activities and we just watch TV together, whatever it is, but we still have that relationship, right? So that's the same way it is with, with Christ. And that's what I love about it is that it's not this, you know, checklist down, down the paper or this like definitive informative way of following Christ or being a Christian. Um, it's okay. How, how is my walk with Christ and what I do going to bring me closer together with Christ? And I always knew kind of these things and kind of that concept, <clears throat> but I don't think, and I don't think it's anyone's fault, but I was never necessarily given a chance to explore that or what that looks like necessarily to me, because I was always with my parents. I was going to church with them and like listening to what they were saying and, you know, reading the scriptures with them and things like that and stuff. Um, and so then going to Willamette and seeing so many people from different walks of life and from different areas and different experiences and things like that and stuff. Um, and then being presented with different experiences and different situations and whatnot. Uh, that's when you're really able to like, all right, do I go down the left side of this road or the right side and really kind of form that relationship or form that path that you want. So that was huge. It also helped as well that, you know, we had Craig Hammond, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Ricardo, Richard um, with campus ambassadors to kind of also be there to be bumpers, so to speak, to where like, well, yeah, I, I know you want to go on the right side of the lane, but just don't go too far because now you're going to get in the gutter kind of thing and kind of, you know, help you a little bit on your, on your path there. Um, so, yeah, I think those four years were really formative for me um, to be able to, or to start to be able to kind of form what my relationship looks like um, with Christ and, and still be able to follow, you know, uh, principle wise, you know, what I've been, been raised on and stuff. So. Uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. It is so difficult or you can see how difficult it can be. You know, like you said, you're on your own, a uh, lot of newness that you're experiencing um, and many ways where you can veer off the path. And in uh, similar to the academic sense, right, without the right folks, <laughs> without the right structure or just some sort of uh, presence of other individuals who've been there before, who can help kind of level set or realign, um, it's real easy to move to move past that. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Craig. I actually see him every once in a while. So it's pretty dope. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, cool, man. So, yeah. So that's now, you know. It sounds like we're we're moving forward. We're we're we've defined or redefined those barriers or those guardrails to help support you moving forward. Now you're transitioning post college, right? Mm-hmm. One, did you even know what what did you want to do once you graduated, and were you already in that field? So, like, what what was what was post graduation look like? What did you aspire to do after you graduated? Yeah, uh, for as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, and so I think when I first got to Willamette, they had the, the MAT program and then sophomore year, it closed down. So I'm like, oh, shoot. OK, um, which I mean, then that just meant instead of doing my master's there, then I just had to go somewhere else to, to do my master's. But I was hoping like it could just be kind of like this streamlined thing and I was getting it all done in one place, potentially even. Um, uh, start working on my master's kind of like what the MBA does, you know, in your senior year, junior, senior year, kind of start to um, have one foot in uh, that sector as well. 
so that's what I wanted to do there. And then once we started getting into like senior year and whatnot, um, I had worked with the Tokyo International University of America, the sister school there at Willamette with the Japanese students, exchange students. And I was like a, res uh, a resident assistant over the summer while they were here. And then I was, you know, helping kind of um, create different activities for them to do and uh, different cultural things that they could go see and, and stuff like that. It's almost like a lesson planning, you know, um, but very light lesson planning. Um, and then after college, I was like, you know what? I don't have any like major plans. I always wanted to go back to Texas. Um, and so I was planning to go down to Texas and live with my brother because he's right outside of Dallas. He's still out there. My sister's in Houston. And then down in Texas, you don't need a master's necessarily to teach, just a, a degree in whatever subject you want to teach. So I was like, okay, you know, my major's in sociology. I could do like sixth grade um, social studies or something like that, or right. uh, take a couple certification classes and teach elementary, which I loved teaching elementary. Sixth grade is probably my like uh, my cutoff. Um, you don't want you don't want to teach middle school or high school. I don't think so. middle school I could probably get away with. Like a push came to shove. Now once they in high school, so, nope. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, you you cannot be helped. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you on your own now. You grown. You grown. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to stay down to elementary because I I really did feel like that. I feel like elementary, you could have so much more of an impact and an early impact. Um, on you know young young kids life and stuff like that because they're just like baby birds they soak up everything and they want to learn everything middle school they're kind of starting to develop these like calluses and you know think they know what's going on and then high school it's like unless they come from a really bad home life and even that sometimes they're like forget everybody else mm -hmm. but it's kind of harder to to squeeze your way in but um yeah so that's what i wanted to do and then I kind of went that direction after working at TIUA. They were like, Hey, like you work really well with Japanese students. Um, and you want to go to Japan. There's this Japanese exchange teaching program. Why don't you apply to that? Yeah. And I was like, okay. Sounds good. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I'll just move down to Texas. Like I planned. So yeah, I applied to that. And yeah. Yeah, man. Cause you were over there for a couple of years, right? Yep. Yep. 2015 to 17. Yeah. Wild. So I would imagine, I mean, you know, there's, there's this aspect of wherever you're into a new space or new environment, there's like a culture shock, right. Of, you know, for us, you, we've experienced a little bit of that of going to a college campus and it's like, yo, this is completely different than my upbringing. And then even more so you see that when you go to Japan, right? When you go to, I think you went to Tokyo. Did you go to Tokyo or where'd you go? Um, I was outside of Tokyo, like countryside. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what was that dynamic? Like you, you step off the plane and you're like, yo, okay, I'm about to go teach in a completely different context than I'm experiencing. Uh, yeah. What were some of the lessons or, or things that you've experienced while you were there? Yeah, we, um, so we landed in Tokyo um, and this, you know, jet program pulls from different countries, different states in, uh, within the U.S. So I, I mean, there was like over a thousand people at this hotel um, in Tokyo and we were there for three days, just kind of doing like training. And then after that, they take 
us and all of our bags and then we go out to wherever we're being um posted or i don't want to say stationed but basically stationed and so i just remember going to to tokyo and my roommate from sophomore year who was an exchange um student from japan lived probably like a 10 minute walk from the hotel we were staying at like in tokyo and we still kept in contact so when i told him i was like moving to japan he was like, yo, you got to come visit, blah, blah. So it was cool to see him because I hadn't seen him at that point for like four years, three, about three years. Um, and so I got to hang out with him. But walking down the streets of Japan, you're like looking around like all the lights and all these signs and stuff. And I'm like this, like I remember seeing stuff like this in pictures, you know, and now I'm like literally right here. And I'm like trying to figure out, OK, what does this sign say? Because I knew no Japanese going over. And that was like another, you know, I had people there that would had watched every anime that ever could have been made and could quote it like the back of their hand, been studying Japanese since they were in eighth grade, you know, like all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I love Japanese culture, but I don't know very much about it. And I only knew five words going over three of them. I learned on the plane ride over, you know what I mean? So I'm landing there just like trying to soak it all in and study it and all that stuff. So that, I think that also changed my experience in the sense of, you know, I was, willing and open to everything because I didn't know anything versus others you know I think because they had studied it the culture so much in language and things like that may have been a little bit more closed off or like oh yeah I know about that and you know but yeah let's go inside like this cat cafe where there's just cats running around and you can just chill and be on your laptop like that's kind of dope you know what I mean or like an owl cafe where it's the same thing but it's owls like what you know so they're like, yeah, they have them everywhere. And I'm like, well, then let's go everywhere. You know, So I was like ready to dive in. But yeah, that was yeah, that first initial landing. And it's hot over there too, it's just like humid. So that like hit me like a brick wall too. Even, um, and I'm, I mean, I adjusted to Oregon weather, but I'm used to that humid weather from Texas. But that was, that was different. So uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting those first three days, yeah go in and soak it in like yeah why not i mean you're yeah. why not you're there yes you may have seen it or read it or learned one of the three of the five words but let's go <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yes so so for two years were you still geared towards working with that kind of elementary middle school or did they place you into that like all right i know you want to work here but these kids need the most or these kids need that love too like what was that like yeah, so they placed me, um, like I said, countryside. So if you, you know, look at Japan, Tokyo's on the east coast um, of the island. I was completely like opposite seven hours on the west coast. And then like, uh, for those who may know, like Osaka, Kyoto, kind of like down in the south, I was four hours north of that. So there's only like, you know, like one train line. Um, it was a technical high school. So high school in Japan is only three years. And with technical high schools, 90 to 95 percent of the students after they graduate are going straight into the workforce um, versus like other there's some other like academic high schools where you know they'll go to a university whether it be in Japan or you know studying abroad and, and things like that so I was at a technical high school which I think I didn't mind because it was um, it was in Japan and you know we were going to be teaching English as a second language versus doing it with like elementary I think it it would be a little bit harder, but with high school, you can at least connect with them, even if you don't speak the same language. Now, I mean, you can with elementary, but I don't know what it was. I, I just felt comfortable being in a high school. 
So that was what I did uh, four out of the five days. But then on, on Mondays, I would catch a bus and they would take me out even further into the country. And we went to the special needs school. And there I was with elementary, middle school and high school. So I think I taught like three or four classes there. And it was like one at each level and then maybe two high or one elementary, one middle school and then like two at the high school level. And that was a lot of fun as well, too. Um, also, too, to kind of like see that that set up um, and how they um, teach special needs and just the life skills that they teach as well, too, there. And that was. Yeah. So that's what I ended up doing the, the two years I was there. That's amazing. And I would imagine that's nonstop. I mean, obviously, that's your job. So you're like you're literally teaching, like it's in, the, in exploring and whatnot and doing that. But the main focus is forming a uh, like, you know, a positive experience in education for these students in, in this context and experiencing that kind of dynamic and culture um, from from different people in different areas. Uh, yeah. And you and you did it. So that's dope. play Basketball over there, right? Yeah, they had like a like kind of like a men's city league. And so um, one of the teachers at the uh, my secondary school I go to on Mondays, he played basketball and he was like, yeah, we have like these open gyms, you know, on Wednesday nights if you want to come. So it was maybe about a 20 minute bike ride. because That's how I got around everywhere, or bike or train for a while. I think in the last year I had a car, which was a whole different other experience trying to get my license. Um, and that was that was interesting. But I would ride my bike like to the gym all the time and it's like pitch black with my little light you know and it's this I don't want to say barn but it almost looks like a barn and it's just like off kind of in the middle of this rice field so we go play over there and I was playing with them they're like hey like we have this team like you want to play with us I was like yeah sounds great so they gave me the jerseys which were dope I actually just popped up on my Facebook memories it was like a pink jersey um shorts and top and then white and it had pink and black on it i was like these are interesting those piedos and piedos is like kind of like clowns um in japanese i'm like yeah we look like clowns with these pink jerseys (laughs) it was a lot of fun yeah yeah so i got to play in that hey man yeah i thought you know i remember seeing the pictures of you balling i'm like oh snap joseph got picked up like you know Hey, I, wish. I was like, okay, you know, you went over there to teach, and all of a sudden he's playing on a professional league in Japan. Why not? Go for it. Why not? Oh man, I know. I wish that would have been cool. But no, still so regardless, like again, basketball is a vehicle towards the experiences to these connections and relationships. And uh, if you still got it, why not use it? Uh, so that's awesome that you got to continue to build community in that way um, and, and still, you know, stay active and get your shot right and all that kind of right. stuff. <laughs> awesome. Did you think that, so I know it was a two-year program. Was there ever thought of you staying past those two years or were you like, nah, I, this is fun, but I'm ready to get back home? What was that? What was that transition like? Um, I... I was in between. I was like, I could, I think it was towards the end of the second. The way they do it though, is like you get there August. Um, so I got there August, 2015, that very next December, December, 2015, they ask you if you want to renew your contract. And the contract is from August to August. So that meant if I renewed my contract that December, then the contract I'm renewing is from that next August, 2016 to 17. 
I'm like, you're asking me in the middle of winter and winters are like rough there. Like it's, I mean, you just walk everywhere because you can't ride your bike or anything. It's freezing cold. You can't really go see anyone because of the snow and all that stuff. So like, it's just like a really down time, especially for foreigners because you don't really have anyone you can connect with. And then being an extrovert, I'm like just stuck in my house. Yeah, it's just all bad, right? Um, and I'm like, so now is, I'm, I don't think right now is a good time to ask me if I want to renew my contract because I'm going to say no, you know, but I know I want to be here. So, but I ended up renewing it. Um, I prayed about it and whatnot. And so I renewed my contract. And I think probably midway through that second year, I was like, man, like I actually got to experience Japan of going to Tokyo a couple of times, going to Okinawa, the cultural um, festivals and stuff. Um, but also at the time I was in a long distance relationship um, and we started dating like two months before I went to Japan. Wow. So then she was like, you know what? And it was cool too, because right at two weeks after I left for Japan, she went to Uganda for four months. And so we're both, you know, overseas for the first time in our own experiences going back and forth, talking about these experiences. Um, and then she went back home after those four months. Um, but she was like, if you do another year, then I'm like, I can, I can do two, but any more than that, I, you know, we'll just have to wait till you get back and hopefully, you know, things align and stuff. And I was trying to figure out like, do I want to, cause it's easy to get just kind of stuck there. Um, especially being a foreigner and an English teacher, like you just, that's just what you do. Unless your Japanese is very proficient, then you might be able to find other jobs and things like that and stuff. Um, so I was like, yeah, two years is enough. Cause I know I could just get comfortable here. Like I've already gotten comfortable and there were things that I wanted to do and kind of check off the list instead of just being stagnant. Yeah. Uh, so I think those two things, just like that uh, desire to, to move on with life. And then also having um, a significant other back home um, brought me back after those two years. And I mean, it was all worth it because we're married now. So, and got a, a kid on the way. So, <laughs> yeah. So, oh. Yeah, worth it. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk, we'll touch on that a little bit too in a little bit. But yeah, but those are significant factors uh, that will determine whether or not you continue one path or another and and it's awesome that uh you know that that ex engagement experience was there um but i know that like okay so so we may do a quick time jump here uh, you're in japan you're teaching you're going to this route to want to be a teacher but now i know you work at healthcare <laughs> you're in the healthcare field right which yes. somehow we all stumbled in some career that we didn't even know we yeah I, i'm in same boat i was like i don't know how i got here but <laughs> what so like how did you make that jump from coming back home after teaching overseas and getting this desire to want to teach and be engaged in that way to now working in healthcare? I um, mean, and I want to know more too about what that work looks like, but just what was that jump like? And, and yeah, how did you even get there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I came back, I worked at Catlin Gable for three years um, here in Portland. What's that? What's I that? Uh, it's a private school um, here next to St. Providence Hospital. And so I was a teaching assistant there in like the fourth grade classroom. I actually applied to that while I was in Japan and interviewed for it and got the job while I was still in Japan because I'm a planner. I'm like, I, you know, I want to have like a job set up when I get back, blah, blah. So I did all that. And then um, 
I think it was like my second year at Catlin. I was like, okay, I want to start pursuing my master's and whatnot and stuff. And I got to talk and I was like, but I'm too far like post-grad and too far into this adulting thing. So I still need to work. Um, I can't just like take two years off or a year and a half off and, you know, go to school. Um, and so I was in the talks with Catlin Gable of, could I kind of basically like keep my teaching assistant job here, but then somehow also have like my student teaching done here as well through Portland State? Like, is there any way we could work out a partnership and whatnot and stuff? And so they were awesome. Like, you know what? We've that's been on the talks, like whether you know it or not, of like us trying to partner with Portland State because I think um, they had they have a partnership with the University of Portland, and so we get interns, you know, every year from University of Portland. And Portland State was always one they kind of wanted to like dabble in or check out. So I'm like, cool, like, let's do it. I'll be your guinea pig, you know. Um, And so I was trying to go through the process of doing that. And this is another setback of, you know, and it's also too like some some of the what we may categorize as worst setbacks are only setups for your best comebacks. And like, and I think that was at that time I was like, okay, I applied. I went up to Portland State, went to my interview. And they're like, you know what, Joseph, like you'd fit so great into our program, just your experiences of being a teaching assistant, going to Japan, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, your GPA is lower than what um, our acceptance, you know, um, GPA is. And I think it was lower by, uh, I don't even know, like 0.2 or something like that. Like it wasn't like a huge difference. And so they're like, you know, you can take all these uh, graduate level classes just to show that you can perform at the graduate level and then um, you could possibly be accepted into the program after that. And I was like, wait a minute, possibly? Like, I don't want to waste money taking these three classes that aren't even going to like go to war- credit, go towards the master's um, program. And I could potentially be accepted. Like that just didn't, that didn't seem right. So now I'm back to square, square one trying to figure out, okay, so then what I do here, because I was tired of being a teaching assistant, I wanted to kind of do my own thing and be in control of whether it be my own classroom or whatever it was, instead of working for someone and not in like, you know, I hate working for people. It was just like, I was ready to be that leader that I know that I am, you know? Um, And so at the time as well too, my wife works at a dance studio. And so uh, one of the girls at the dance studio, her dad is one of the, um, um, pediatric psychiatrist at OHSU. And he started this program, it's called the Niche Program, Novel Interventions in Children's Healthcare. And so he had been trying to get Alexis, my wife, to do this position as an interventionist for a while. But the on-call part of it, kind of like, mm, I don't know if I really want to do that, especially with dance and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Well, I met him and he's like, yo, like, I think you'd be really good, you know, for this position, yada, yada. I was like, yeah, but I, I'm getting ready to go into uh, the school year. I think this was like July. Um, and I'm like, school starts next month. You know, like I would hate to just drop them right now and stuff. I've already basically committed to this next school year. Plus, like you said, going from that to technically healthcare, I'm like, that's not where I pictured myself at all. So now am I just, you know, jumping boat because this didn't work out for me? Or am I actually like following a natural path that's working out for me, you know? So I'm sitting there trying to, you know, determine that, pray about it, figure it all out. And I had a great talk with him 
and my whole goal and the whole thing I've ever wanted to do is be able to like mentor kids and like um, help educate kids, whatever that might look like. And I always remember looking back at the times that I think I thrived the most or really enjoyed the most were those one-on-one times or the small group times with kids, uh, like even in a school setting. So whether it be, you know, I take these three kids and we work on multiplication um, or, you know, some kids messing up on the playground and think they're in the NFL uh, playing football out there. So they're pushing people and stuff and trying to be like, yo, hey, come here. You know, let me put this in perspective for you. (laughs) You're not Odell. I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) (laughs) not yet. You know, so but I, I noticed that like that's those are the times I really enjoyed, not necessarily, you know, the whole class of 40 kind of thing. Um, and with this job, that's, that's what it is. Like, um, so we work with, uh, families that have chronic illnesses, but social disparities. Mm. And so, you know, it could be, they're trying to manage, you know, their type one diabetes or cystic fibrosis, whatever it is. But then also like these social barriers are getting in the way of them actually being able to manage it. And so, you know, a lot of times providers don't see that in the 20, 30 minute, um, you know, visit that they're there. Or if they do or kind of get a hint of it, there's not a lot that they can necessarily do. I mean, they could go to social work, but then social work, their caseload is, you know, 60, 70. So they're all spread thin. Um, and so we're kind of like the last line of defense um, for, for a lot of providers. And so I knew within that, I was like, okay, cool. I still get to work with youth. I still get to work like that one-on-one kind of thing. And then the healthcare part, I told him, I was like, I know nothing about healthcare. Like you expect me to, you know, make these calls and care coordination and stuff. Like I can't even care coordinate for myself. I don't even know the first person to call, you know? So like, what am I doing? He's like, no, like, that's perfect. You'll learn along the way. You know, we, we train, we, we train um, for practice, but as far as like the skills, like you have that and all that stuff. I was like, all right. Like somebody ends up, you know, going to this doctor and they're supposed to go over here. Like, don't blame me. You know what I mean? <laughs> me. Love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My bad. Uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up in that. And now I'm going on, uh, been with them for a year and a half now. So, yeah. You know what's awesome about this is that, you know, as in, in just one, me knowing a bit about your story prior to you, you hearing it, but even so, you know, you, this position that you currently have has that sociology connection. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, absolutely, it does. Yeah, what's going on in the world and on and how we are affected and impacted by that, and and the disparities that we experience based upon our identities, um, and how that relates to the systems that we are part of, right? And those are tremendous barriers. <laughs> like if you don't, right. Know, right, right, you will end up in worse conditions than you normally would be, right? So stepping in and assisting that is excellent. And then even as you stated, just the relationships that you are building from a um, one-to-one or one to like a small group setting, like that, you know, people need that type of relationship and that type of connection um, to feel seen, to feel heard and understood and be able to uh, succeed in whatever avenue that they're part of. So like you're really tying in, you know, the, the education and the experiences of, you're what you're tracking to this position and serving folks in a, in a greater way and then even reaching further back to be the light in that mm-hmm. space right to be somebody who is um uh helping say so somebody see you know dignity worth love in this position right and in in a, in, a, in a dire state where it doesn't really happen often like in healthcare you don't really think about 
except for the birth of a child, right? There's not much past that. It, it, it does kind of get downhill quick when you're in the healthcare setting, but you are helping create those pathways and avenues for people to see some hope um, and being that person in that man. That's dope. That's dope, man. <laughs> yeah, the healthcare thing. I, yeah, I, I even, because I'm seven years into this healthcare thing and I still don't know what we doing <laughs> out here. Exactly. Um, man. Okay. Okay. So here we are now in as an interventionist. Um, you know, you're still supporting the youth. You're still engaging with them one on one. I know off to the side. Uh, you're also coaching, right? Like you're still coaching and active in that space. So again, the basketball vehicle is still continuing to move, right? To engage kids, to engage youth in that way. Um, are you out here like Phil Jackson? Like, is that is that the move? Are you are you the Phil Jackson of youth basketball right now? What's going on, man? Oh man, no. I've I've been fortunate enough, and that's been fun for me. Is like I think that is a goal of mine at some point is to become um, a head coach, um, you know, of a, of a high school program. Uh, when I came back from Japan, I just wanted to get in somewhere and just coach, you know, seventh, eighth grade or whatnot and stuff. So I hit up Pat Adelman, who was the assistant at Willamette my junior year, because um, I knew that he was coaching at Lincoln High School here in, in Portland. He was the head coach there. I said, hey, man, like, do you have any openings or anything just for like seventh, eighth grade youth? He was like, yeah, I do. I think I have a seventh grade. He goes, well, why don't you come be my varsity assistant? I was like, all right, like this is going to basically be my first year of coaching high school basketball. Besides like Japan, I, you know, coached the team there, uh, especially with that relationship with the, the, um, the coach, but he's also a teacher and like, it's different there in Japan. So there would be practices where the kids are just doing it themselves because he has to go and do a bunch of stuff in the office and whatnot. It was like, it was weird. Like I never experienced that, you know, in high school for us, it's like, okay, yeah, they're the math teacher, but they're also the basketball coach. So at three fifteen, when we have practice, he's there with us, you know? Um, and so that gave me an opportunity in Japan, kind of going back a little bit to like be able to run a practice and your communication has to be like on point because again, I don't really speak the language. The kids kind of know English a little bit, but now you really just have to like demonstrate and whatnot. Now it's a lot of fun. So like, but I didn't really count that two years as coaching. Um, I was like, yeah, it's that, I just felt like that didn't count. Um, and so then I'm going into this. He's like, yeah, be my varsity assistant. I'm like, eh, okay. Like if you want. So sure enough, jumped on uh, board with them. That was a fun year. Just like learning um, and being in practices with them. Um, and what he was doing and stuff. He was running a lot of the same stuff that we ran at Willamette when he was there my junior year. So then I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And that helped my transition because then I could really step in because I actually knew the offense, knew what they were doing and everything and could, you know, be like, yo, this is what's going to be open, blah, blah, blah. So that was my first year there. Second year there, I was the head freshman coach. Third year there, I was the head JV coach. And then he went to Chemeketa um, down there in Salem and he's an assistant down there. And then after he left, I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to become a head coach right now. And I think at the time, too, we just found out um, that uh, uh, my wife was pregnant. So I was like, this is probably not a good time to be doing all that. Plus, I was starting um, actually, no, I was starting my new job in healthcare, and I didn't know what it was going to look like. You know, it's 24 seven. You're on call and available to family. So 
trying to take on this big of running a program plus this, like, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't want to set myself up for failure. So I just kind of waited. But then the last year um, during the pandemic, I went over to Milwaukee high school, was in a, a, a varsity assistant there and helping with the program. And then same thing this year um, in doing that. So um, I'm enjoying it. I'm going to be there as much as I can. I told them, you know, with the baby on the way and whatnot, but yeah, that's kind of uh, where the coaching thing has been been going for me, but it's been good. Love it. Hey, man, you still got it. You still got it. Hey, I love the fact that even, you know, in Japan, you stated that you, you had to do a lot of demonstrating in order to model what this looks like, which again, you know, there's a, there's a principle there, right? Like yeah. a lot of people can latch on to something if they see it more than what has been said. If they can see it, then they can get it. And and that's a tremendous way from a coaching perspective, which I, that, you should still count that as coaching because you got to show a kid how to do the rip through. You got to show them how to set the screen. And that's just, again, part of teaching. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that helped in the way that you engage the kids. Like, OK, I can tell you how to set the screen, set the down screen. But let me show you what it should look like. So that way, when you pop open, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's dope, man. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, if you if you out here went in getting all the rings. I'm excited to see that. I just want to see the picture of you with the, all the rings. Hey, championship. Hey, man. Um, dang. Okay, so you're married. About to have a baby. Yeah. Wow. How you feeling? Let's just start there. How you feeling? <laughs> man, it's like, I'm just so anxious. And that's, I mean, we have this conversation pretty often of just like what that's going to look like. You know, obviously, the, the more common comments, you know, that, that we get from people is like, you know, enjoy your sleep while you can. And, oh man, like your, your life is about to change drastically and like all this stuff. And it's like, cool. I know that, but like, how is it going to change? You know what I mean? Like, and obviously people can tell me, but at the same time, this is our family, this is our life. So, you know, it could change in this way or that way. And that's what I think I'm excited for and, and anxious for, because there has been a lot of transitions that she and I have gone through, you know, these past six years that we've been together, um, you know, whether it be from being long distance for, for two years and only seeing each other, things like two, maybe three times during that, those th two years. And then the first two years that we're dating, not even like, you know, like, so those are like kind of like formative two years, so to speak. And then coming back and transitioning back into that and what that looks like for us and then transitioning, you know, into the house and, getting married and like all these transitions and also to trying to figure each other out along the way. Um, I'm just excited to see kind of like how this baby is going to change us and how we're going to transition with that. Cause I think we do a great job of um, rolling with the punches and transitioning together. So that's, that's what I'm excited for. I'm like ready for this baby just to, to be here. I'm like, okay, got enough mom time in the belly. Like <laughs> it's time to come out here. I'm trying to talk to you, man. <laughs> oh, let's go come on right exactly oh man hey man it's gonna be an amazing time and you know what you're you're gonna be you know you're already amazing husband you're gonna be an amazing dad uh you know you're intentional with your relationships you're intentional about uh being in the light and 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 wanting to see other people succeed in this way, man. And so, uh, it's gonna you're, you're gonna have some fun. It's gonna be exciting. That's oh. yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. super excited. Yeah. Right now, after this, I'm about to hop out there and see them go go ham. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> with two of my two boys. 
Uh, cool, man. Well, hey, I, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for taking the time to share a bit about your story for the listeners and um, even tracking just the ways in which you've navigated uh, life, adulting, <laughs> navigated just different cultures and settings and, and the approaches that, it, that you are, that you take when it comes to making a decision, taking action, uh, engaging people in a way that's very intentional, that's very loving and formative in that context, man. Um, if you were to give, like, let's say you were sitting with your old self, right? Your 18 year old Joseph Jackson coming into college. And after, after you've gone through these years of experiences so far, what would be some of the words or some of the advice you would give to yourself in that stage, in that season, knowing what you know now? Um, it's not, oh uh, man. That's hard. Uh, I think just, I mean, even we kind of talked about it as far as like where we started off or where I started off and like where I'm at now um, is that don't get, don't get too blinded or too jaded. Um, I think sometimes we have this idea of how things should play out or how you want them to play out. And sometimes, you know, and we all say this, like life throws you curveballs, like, but it's, it's true. Like, you know, like you're going this way and all of a sudden you turn and you're like, wait, how did I end up here? But you got to make sure that you, you see in that situation, the possibilities. So even though like, you know, I'm not in education, stuff, I'm still doing what I love of working with youth and it's in the healthcare system, which I never would have thought I would be a part of, but it's still, you know, something that, um, I'm passionate about and things like that. So I think just, you know, as you're going along in life and stuff and setbacks come and um, redirection comes is not to lose sight of your end goal and your end purpose um, because you can find that goal and you can find that purpose in different ways and it may present itself in different ways. But because we have this picture of this is how it's supposed to look and this is where it's going to be at, um, sometimes we miss opportunities where it's actually over here for you. So, so I think that's what um, I would probably say to my to my younger self. There you go. Amen. That's a good word. And it's so applicable. <laughs> so applicable. That's good. Oh man. Well, hey, again, thanks again for being on the podcast. Where can people find you uh, if, if you want to plug yourself online? I know that you, again, you're going to have a picture one day with all the rings with your basketball team. Um, I know you do some, a lot of singing in the car and whatnot. And then I'll yeah. <laughs> where, where can people find you online to track your journey? Um, yeah. Uh, on Instagram, it is J underscore Jackson seven, seven. Um, and then same thing for Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter that much, mostly just scrolling. Uh, and then Facebook, just Joseph Jackson um, and LinkedIn. Yeah, Joseph Jackson as well, too. So uh, please give me a follow. I can drop my email as well, too, if anyone wants to email or anything like that. that yeah, that email is um, jdjackso77 at gmail.com. So. What's the, what's the significance of seven, seven before we, before we wrap up, what's the significance of that? Um, seven uh, in uh, the biblical sense is completion or perfection. And so sevens has always been um, one of my favorite numbers along with uh, three, because uh, three represents the Trinity. And then 
five means grace. So those are kind of like my three numbers. I love three, five, and seven. Um, but seven is probably my favorite just because it means perfection and completion. So we go. Let's go. Thanks once again, man, for being on the podcast. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank you, Ray. Appreciate you.